We told you after the game, they were going to be talking about the Titans. Two cans of beer a day, and that's your bleeding lot. And now we've got an extra one because they stopped the touch. So we'll put on our civvy clothes, find a proper shore. A sailor's just a sailor, just like he was before. Go, all right, welcome in to the Coach's Corner, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. As always, I am Jonathan at JB on Broad on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Mr. Ryan at Ryan on Broadway. As always, you can check out our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Got lots of good content there. Live shows that are going to be coming up around the games. Probably going to do some pregame because guess what? It's playoff week. Playoff time. Ryan, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, something about the content. Just to, I'm going to give it an early shout out. I'm going to I'm going to shout this out whenever I can. Go and check out James' work for No Flags Film. He posted a great breakdown this week of Julio Jones, and he really got into it. He started as a Julio Jones kind of breakdown, but it really devolved, evolved. That's not called devolve because it wasn't negative. All it was a great breakdown into the the Titans' passing attack and the route combinations, and really the con- conclusion that he gives you right up front. Because here's the thing: I, I'm not spoiling anything. Conclusion he gives you right up front is that Julio still has some juice, and it was evident in this tape. Go and take a look at that. It's on YouTube. It's posted on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. There was a little article wrote, written about it as well. So just want to get out of the way. But other than that, I am good. Snow is all melted away here in Nashville, and man, I'm ready for some playoff football. Yeah, you know, it, it's nice, I think, for Titans fans to be able to watch the wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. Super disappointing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, super wild yeah, card weekend. Yeah, super wild card weekend. <laughs> Titans fans got to watch it pretty stress-free, and for a team that has made a knack for keeping games close and making the, the very stressful, had to have been a, a nice little break just to watch a bunch of teams go at it, and Really, there was only two stressful games overall. Yeah, how how it's very rare the Titans fans can say they had a, a stress free, you know, NFL Sunday or weekend actually without them. Then I guess Monday, but they didn't. Who cares about the NFC uh, yet? So yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's new, and I can get used to this as, as someone who's watching Titans and watching it closely. So that's that's good to know that you had an extra week to a get healthy, b not have that stress, and and c really start your plans for your tailgate or for whatever else you need to get the people in town to get those, those parties set up. That's got to be a good feeling to, to have that much time. You know, I'm sure Vrabel took uh, advantage of his time as well. Yeah, and so, I mean, Titans go in as a number one seed. Uh, you know, they take care of the Texans, and we'll we'll spend just a couple of minutes talking about it. You talked about the breakdown of Julio Jones that uh, James was able to put out on through Broadway Sports. Let, let's talk about Julio, and because sure. I think that was one of the bigger takeaways that you had from the Texans game. And uh, obviously, the, you know, James actually highlighted that Julio still got it. I, I, I That's kind of the same sort of thing that I've been seeing and we've been talking about, that it it's almost seems like it's more of a chemistry thing, but between Tannehill and Julio and it's not that Julio's not getting open you go back to the Steelers game where they had him open down the field and something else broke down there and that was really where you started to see in the Texans game what I saw was that some of that chemistry started to click is that what you're seeing yeah and it's it's it's, as you saw from the breakdown is that it was not just the, the the chemistry there it was a combination of early the offensive line couldn't keep Tannehill clean and Tannehill and again I'm giving away too much in the breakdown, but Tannehill, and we've said this before on the podcast, so it's nothing new or any enlightening that he's very much a 
strong technical quarterback, meaning that his feet and his shoulders line up and he fires the ball. And those are the kind of things that he needs to be comfortable in. He couldn't get that early. So if you're not that comfortable throwing, then you're probably not going to go outside of your comfort zone to who you throw to a ton. He's got that history with A.J. Brown. You saw that early in the season. But you go back and look, and it wasn't like Julio lost a step or that he was not getting open because he very much was. It was just missing here and there. And think back to the Texans game uh, – this first, this sorry, this last time where they took a couple shots in the early second half, trying to get something a big splash play going uh, for the Texans to to put the distance on the Texans to get start pulling starters out, and they unfortunately couldn't do that. And it was time leave it to the Titans to leave something in, in that's not in doubt to then be in doubt. But what I saw was that they were trying to work him in some of those routes, get him involved early, get that comfortable feeling going, and have look. It doesn't make up for the whole season. But now you have some confidence that this could be a cog in the offense that they come back to, especially with uh, Derrick Henry being a, coming back and doing what I think he'll be able to do, what everyone knows he can do. Having that extra weapon on the outside will, is, is exactly what we talked about preseason. Kudos to you because you said the biggest thing about the Julio trade is even if he doesn't make any catches, it gives the Titans an extra weapon to, to filter to if teams somehow shut down Henry. Well, and it's not even just Henry. It's if A.J. Brown can't have a huge game there, you have a number two option to go to. And I know they had Corey Davis last year. You go back to the playoff game against the Ravens last year where you had drops. And really towards the end of that season with Corey Davis, he, they was, were, hurt they, 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 he was hurt. Drops really started to plague him right there. So the Julio trade, you know you're getting a sure-handed wide receiver. And so ultimately, if he can come in and perform and be that guy that is able to make those reliable catches, give you something down the field um, or even just on some of those he's a big body guy that sure. can go in and look his resume speaks for himself so I, I don't need to sit here and tout you <laughs> Julio, know, Julio Jones, Jones top 10 receiver of all time yeah, yeah please so don't <laughs> the fact that he is able to start getting in some sort of a rhythm you had the AJ Brown game against the Niners where he's starting to get going and now if you really are a Titans fan and you want to paint that picture as we look towards Saturday with the uh, with, with the Bengals coming to town you have the healthy Derrick Henry coming back. If you wanted to really paint a picture for everything coming together at the right time, you have a healthy, fresh Derrick Henry. You got Julio Jones seemingly healthy off the hamstring injuries. He's starting to get into a rhythm, and then obviously you have A.J. Brown. If I wanted to be an optimist here, that picture that everybody was painting in the offseason is truly starting to put the uh, the paint on the canvas right here. What did we see earlier? They, they, they had three games total together Some, on the field, yeah. something like that. I, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think it was like three games. And it was even less with AJ, you know, on which I think was a big key because we already outlined how Tannehill was comfortable with him. And he's an emerging young star at receiver, and you've got to have that. The other thing that really picked up here late that I'll, that I'll point to, and it points back to your health, getting those, those skill guys. But the offensive line played – I don't want to say lights out because there's still some missed blocks here and there, but it was nowhere near what it was earlier in the season. And that's going to, that's the other big key for this as well. So you're giving those guys a chance to get healthy, get some of those. Saffold finally looked like he, he was able to uh, escape a game without pulling up, you know, lame after uh, two plays in a row. Uh, ben Jones, he, I know he's nicked up because he walks around on glass with, with no shoes and socks on. So, you know, that dude's got some minor injuries. He's got a heel. So all those things seem to be coming together. So it's, it's for me, and, and forgive me for touting the offensive line being the offensive line guy in the room, but the, having those skill guys and having all that mesh point, now you're starting to think, remember what Jonathan said about you don't want to be hot early? You don't even want to be hot in the middle. 
you want to finish the season hot and you want to go into the playoffs hot. Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to claim the Titans were hot, but you can see the upward trend of all these guys coming back and everything falling into place for this playoff run. Yeah, I mean, and you, you look at, you know, a lot of that offensive line play and there's two units that really has to be cohesive and the most cohesive units that's the offensive line and the defensive secondary they have to be a cohesive unit then so yeah. frankly getting the continuity whether they're a hundred percent or not they have been able to stay on the field together finally get into some sort of a rhythm knowing that the guy next to you is the same guy not the guy that was four plays ago that he went down and now I'm trying to figure out what these checks are I know what he's going to like to do so and both on the offensive line you really are starting to see that cohesion come together and knock on wood again if you want to be an optimist if you want to be an optimist things are kind of starting to come together oh yeah for sure and, and it, we're, we're an optimistic show we're we're a glass half full show right <laughs> oh absolutely so i think you know texans was two weeks ago and you talk about getting hot at the right time team coming to town as a young team appears to be hot and that can sometimes be a dangerous combination sure. so when you look at the Bengals, what are what are some of the big things that you are seeing that you're most worried about let's start with that offensive side of the football when you're the titans what are you expecting to see from them? Well, for me, the, I, the, the two, let me break that in two parts, your question there. So what I'm, what I'm most worried about is those explosive plays. And this offense, especially down here late, has proven, you go back to the Chiefs game and watch how they just have those. Now, again, the Chiefs, they are a mixed bag of themselves. I have no clue at this point what to think about them. Are they back or not back? I'm, not, I'm done with that. They're, they're clearly a team that can be had. And the Bengals, hot at the right time, took their shots. And you still saw some of those explosive plays. So they've got some skill players. It's not just Chase. T. Higgins is fun. Boyd. Boyd is fun to watch. They've got a young, really good core of receivers. And they're going to utilize that. And they're going to try to um, get Burrow – the enough protection where he can pick apart. And I think that what you're going to see to help with that, because they know the Titans, what their game plan should be. We'll get to this here in a little bit, but what the game plan should be is to avoid getting bro hit as most offensive lines and offensive schemes should. Right. But to do that, how do you do that as an, as an offense? Well, you either do your, your, your dropbacks and you let it fly to your skill players down the field. But more importantly, you try to find your ways to chip away, get those short and then take your shots in certain situations. So what I'm worried about is that they get into a flow. And then you're not able to get to Burrow. So the way that the Bengals can really mess themselves up, trying to take those shots early when with allowing the Titans to man up, try to stop them at the line, and then Burrow taking those shots. And I mean shots down the field and shots to the to, you know to the body from from the defensive line. So for me, I'm looking at them to try to keep the Titans honest. I don't. I'm not as scared of their run game in this game with all the skill players they have running backs out of the backfield does con concern me for that reason as well. You have an athletic quarterback who has proven to be when healthy, pretty dang good in the NFL. So you've got to find a way to stymie those things. Yeah. And you know, obviously my, my, my question was one way, but we're going to pivot here and exactly kind of, you, you took it over to the, 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 Sorry. Bang, the Bengals offense and that's Sorry. fine. That's fine. We got to be on our toes right here. And so you I might've misunderstood the question. We had a turn, we, we had a, a sudden change. We got a turnover here. And so we're flipping the script. You got to be on your toes when it's game day. So look, when I, when I look at what the, how the Titans are going to attack the Bengals, I agree. Look, you're not coming in thinking about the run game. Mixon is a guy though, that can actually contribute. I mean, 
mean, he's been, sure. they have leaned on him a couple of times. One thing I'll say, though, that's where a guy like a Zach Cunningham, who is a true three down linebacker, can really make a difference here. You don't have to scheme a ton of stuff for him. That's a guy that can make an impact because the way they have been going when you have David Long in there or Jayon Brown or Rashawn Evans, some of that you feel a little bit undermanned, whether in the pass game or the run game, depending on those packages. Having a guy that can play in any of your packages beautiful. there really opens some things up. So I think when you talk about those explosive plays, I know there's been a lot of talk about, obviously, Jamar Chase having one of the better rookie seasons of all time at wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. and so... We've had a lot of talk about, oh, Christian Fulton on Jamar Chase. Look, they don't flip corners. No. Nope. Uh, Fulton's going to be on one side, probably Jenkins. There's some talk about him, some injuries with his ankle that's going on, but it doesn't sound like that's a serious thing. Sounds like he's a 33-year-old that's taken. He's he, taking that vet. That yeah, vet yeah. He, he's, he seems to be fine. <laughs> he's going to be the guy out there, but they're going to be on their sides. and right. the, So – I don't think you're going to see a ton of shadowing receivers there. I think what you're going to see from Chase is he's going to flip sides. Now, what you do defensively in the secondaries may vary a little bit because depending on where he is, one thing that they'd like to mix up is they'll take their shots downfield to Chase, but they love those uh, comeback routes. Sure. They like sitting him down in front. And that's where I think if you want to take a chance on something, if you've got Fulton on one side, I don't know if you want to do this with Jenkins to play a ton of games there, but with the speed that you have with Fulton, if you see Chase over there, you may tell him to stay stay back. You're going to tell him just to shade. Do not let anybody behind you. And that's where you can see somebody like a Bayard or even a hooker Undercut. undercutting yeah. those routes. And you're taking a chance there. You're, le you're leaving something uh, over the top, possibly. But you, you got two things there. If you're trusting that your defensive front can get home, which, which they should. You, you think they should. They right. should be able to. And uh, the fact that Fulton's a little bit more of an athlete. Um, so I think that's where you could see them try to play some games similar to what they did in the Rams game where you saw Bayard play it and kind of add freelance a little bit. Yeah, which yeah. Worked, clearly worked to his advantage. Yeah, you got to be careful with it because they will go over the top yeah, on it. Yeah. But at the same time, that's where I think you could try and take advantage of very good, very strong young quarterback, but still a young quarterback. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and just that reminded me, and I, and I hate if I derail this and I apologize and, and misunderstand other things, but this reminds me that the other thing you're seeing out there is like, well, we beat this squad last year. This the, the, Coming from Bengals, fanalists fan on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. Oh, we beat them last year. We beat the same defense. First of all, no, you didn't. This is seven of 11 are, are, are different. And this isn't the same defensive front because the big problem last year was the Titans couldn't get pressure long enough to keep the offenses, the, the, the ability to make those quick throws, to make those comebacks, to then go to the intermediate, then go to press down the field. This isn't the same Titans defense. This is this, this Titans defense is going to get pressure. They did it all season to people. And if they're not careful, this could be a long day for the Bengals. Now it could also be a long day for the Titans secondary. If Burrow just comes out with his hair on fire and makes every single throw perfectly, which he hasn't done yet in an NFL game. He's been close, but he's going to have to be nuclear. As Mike Herndon put it, he's going to be nuclear for four quarters. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things that, you know, is it possible? He absolutely could do that. You've seen any time, even you go back to watch Davis Mills in, in the Texans game two weeks ago, young quarterbacks, you let them get into a rhythm. They sure. really start to feel it because it's if you go go to lifting, you do you see all these things where you see uh, like uh, CrossFitters, these new guys, these people to CrossFit putting up ridiculous numbers where they're, you know, power cleaning and things like that because they don't they don't know better. They don't have yeah. that mental block. <laughs> Sometimes as a quarterback, it's like, oh, I can't throw here because, you know, the, the corner sank or the corner jumped. This, right. So I can't throw right here. Young quarterback. 
quarterbacks, they may not know all of that. So sometimes they're just going to rip it. Yeah. And when they're really feeling it, fearlessness can be both a dangerous game for both the quarterback and the defense that they're going against. Yeah. Fearlessness and Carson Wentz uh, point uh, dumbness. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, it is a, it is a two-sided coin there. So um, let's flip over to the other side of the ball then. And when you're on, when you're the Titans on offense, how do you, how are you looking to kind of attack the Bengals defense? So I think this is your mini prep for Kansas city. And what I mean by that is that you want to try to, you're going to try to limit what you can while they're on the field, but the best way to limit their offense is to keep them off the field. So I think, long sustained drives. I know that people have been clamoring for the Titans to take their shots and to have a more explosive offense. And I don't disagree with that. I still think you take your shots and your chance, but the name of this game for the Titans offense is going to stay on schedule, stay ahead of the sticks, grind out the clock a little bit. Now I, that's the smart play for me because if they do that, then they're controlling it. They're having these constant eight minute drives in points to score and they've got to get the red zone offense has got to be better. It's got to be more efficient. They can't settle for field goals in a game like this. So you have to be smarter with those. And I'm not trying to tell them to dumb it down or play it smart, but find what worked for you. Come back to the RPOs. They, they ran, finally they ran an RPO on versus the Texans with a slant combination off of the play side to Julio. And it was completed for a first down. More of that, please, if you're going to go to the RPO. Because no, because as James points out in his breakdown, they mostly do an RPO stop or RPO now is what he calls it. And basically where the, the uncovered receiver just pops up from his stance and he's open. Yeah, if you playmaker, he makes one man he makes one man miss and he goes. But getting him on the slant, I think especially with A.J. Brown, if you can work that in with him, get him on the slant and let him go with his yak ability. That could be good. So my point is that smart plays, I still want them to throw. I'm not saying run it every down. For anyone that's saying that, that Ryan wants them to run it every No, I don't. But I think that with this run game, sometimes a three-yard run is good enough. Don't try to outsmart yourself. Don't get cute. And for God's sake, hold on to the ball. I'm not even talking about interceptions. Just don't fumble it in this game. And I think the Titans will have the game plan. And, and if you may, you're listening out there, and I'm sorry for the tangent here, but if you're listening out there and you're saying, well, that's awful simple, Ryan. Yes! Simple is going to get this done, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think you've heard me talk about their need to run left, not just because Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold is there, although that's a pretty freaking good reason to run pretty, left. Yeah, and, and Ben Jones. Right yeah, there. the the <laughs> other thing I I think that is very important in this game is because look, it looks like Trey Hendrickson is going to play. Right, he is going to primarily line up over Taylor Lewan to that side, and one of the strategies to deal with great pass rushers is to run right at them. You run right at him, you're going to slow him down, you're going to tire them out a little bit. Right. One thing I will say about Hendrickson, as good as he is against the pass, he is not that great against the run. And so you're going to kind of double up there, right? Not only are you running right at him to tire him out and hopefully impact his ability to pass rush when you do do that, but he's also just not very good against the run. Take into account the fact that they're missing their best run blocker and uh, Larry Obajobi. Ogajobi? Yeah, close enough. Ogajobi? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I think that's right, actually. uh, um, So they're down. They're depleted on that defensive line, even with Hendrickson coming back. You have those guys in the secondary that they have outperformed. Uh, You have Bates back there. He is a great player. That's not to knock on him, but Eli Apple's a bit of a journeyman. He's talented. You've got guys there that are outperforming what they've been in their careers, and part of that is impacted by the fact that Trey Hendrickson is having a spectacular season rushing the passer. Mm -hmm. Don't let him do it. Right. Run right at them. One of the things that the Titans have really gotten into trouble with this year is that they don't have the ability, especially when they're depleted, to overcome negative plays. Right. 
So one thing you got to do, you got to be a, play a clean game. I'm mean, obviously we can talk about fumbles and turnovers. You and I have beat a dead horse there about yeah. how dependent. I'll beat I'll beat that horse again yeah. if you want me to. I mean, because it's that important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the fact is, is that if this team can just continue to grind out three, four yard runs. I think they're going to be in for a long day because I think the, the Bengals will wear down. Yeah, and I think that's the most important part about having Henry back is, yes, do I do I, do I I love seeing the explosive 75-yard runs from Derrick Henry? Absolutely. But one of his best features as a running back that, that I know people know this, and, and I don't want to say doesn't get talked about because I think it's just common, like you see it, it happens, is the fact that he's got much better vision than I think he gets credit for, especially in this type of offense where he needs to make that quick cut. But once he gets hit, how often do you see that man fall? I'm not even talking about backwards because that's a rare, that's rare on its own that he falls backwards. But when does he just stop and fall even to where he gets hit? It doesn't happen. So even if he gets hit one yard down the field, he still falls forward and he's such a big frame. He falls forward for two or three yards, which again, we're saying three to four yards is a successful run during drives as long as it's on schedule, right? Well, that's getting hit one yard down the field and still falling forward. And he does that so much. And I think that's one of the big parts this Titans offense has missed. And and it, they call this a game of inches. So total up to me over drives, if they, they consistently are only getting one to two yards, that should have been three to four to five yards with Derrick Henry. And that and Foreman, as good as he's been, for Foreman's ability and what he's shown in the NFL, he still has a tendency to run to the back of his offensive lineman, something you don't see Derrick Henry do. And if he does, he normally – knocks that pile forward. So that's just a whole different mindset. And that's why I'm, I'm high. I'm, I'm kind of singing the praises of simplicity here and work within your, your passing concepts. I'm, I'm not saying don't spread it out. I think that you very much can, because I still think Derek Henry can run out of the spread. In fact, I'm actually in favor of that in some situations, but I think that like you're saying, find a way to stay on schedule should be able to control this game. No. Uh, and, and look, I talk about the negative plays. That means Tannehill, you can't force a screen pass that's already dead. Throw it at throw it at the feet. Those kinds of things. You can't lose and let a linebacker come free or a defensive lineman come free untouched to, for that three or four yard loss. If you can stay ahead of the sticks, I think you wear this thing, this uh, Cincinnati Bengals team down, which has played for ten weeks in a row. They had they had an emotional game. They've had a couple of emotional games. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, first first playoff win and what. 30-something, 37 years, years, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. So I think the Titans have a lot of opportunity here. The other thing, you mentioned that RPO. I think that the Titans have shown a good job of continuing to evolve their offense, add those little wrinkles. Coming off a bye, and we'll talk about that here in just a second, and Mike Rabel's undefeated record with extended time, is... they have got to keep evolving it. It can't just be the same thing. We talk about that R- that RPO or that that read option that they'll run, where it seemingly Tannehill comes, uh, you know, unaccounted for every single time that he does it. Um, and so, you when you look at that, the fact that they're going to add it to a true RPO option, they're evolving those kinds of things, putting those extra wrinkles in there. Are you seeing that same sort of thing? Yes, and and I think you see it more and more when they get their skill players back and they have the confidence. Um, so it's one of those things where earlier there was an argument is would they still be able to run their 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 boot or their play their their read with Derrick Henry out? They absolutely do, because that's a part of their offense and it's who they are. So you're seeing these these wrinkles and these little bitty additions to they they have loved the comeback route and getting those those big body receivers to to press up and come back. So. But they've gone away from what they did last year a lot, and that was the dig. or the, the you know They still run a ton of mesh concept, but the, the big dig across the middle that was so successful. And to me, that's them adapting, in my opinion, 
to not being the same old offense, not showing the same thing on film and trying to adjust. And I think that this coaching staff does this. You've heard about the defense. We've talked about, I know we're talking about offense, but you've heard about the defense throwing little wrinkles here and there. I think the offense does as well, and you can't really see them as well because unfortunately we don't get to really see the all 22. So you can't see and it's kind of tough in, in my memory just to go, Oh, well, the last time they ran this, this combination of routes, they did it out of this formation. So clearly they're doing it different this time. That's, you know, not the, um, that that's not the wrinkles you're talking about, but I do see them trying to keep it fresh a little bit on there and keep those things. And them showing that slant out of something they hadn't been doing tells me they're also trying to work some new things into those concepts. Yeah, I mean, you want to keep them guessing kind of thing because, I mean, they, you have the advantage of the extra time. The Bengals are going to be they're, they're going to be scrambling a little bit. And all this is to say you have the extra time. You have every advantage in the book. Let's talk about the 8-0 record that Brable has. What is it, in your opinion, that allows him or any coach for that matter to have such an advantage coming off of a bye? So. Vrabel strikes me as a few things, um, all positive. And, and one of the things is he's a football mind, even down to his details about when he's talking about his, his, his competition committee and, and, and the rules. And when he tweets out about it, he doesn't tweet much, but he does, man, that dude hits home runs <laughs> when his attacks on Taylor. My point is, is this man is a football mind. Anyone who's ever worked with him tells you that. So he understands the game and he understands what it takes to prepare. He's been doing it his whole career, and he built that. He's brought that into his coaching. He's also a guy who understands his players. His players understand him, and when you have that kind of connection, I think you have you're more open with each other. So I'm not saying they're having, you know, campfire kumbaya around, you know, as, as was you know, say, save your banjos like like uh, Zach says in F words pod. But I'm not saying they're having any big, you know, like counseling sessions or thing. But I think they understand what this team is and what they're capable. And when you have that kind of mixed with a team that you can get the most out of, have that communication open to know what they can and can't do. You know what your team is capable of. You also, he doesn't strike me as a guy, as much as this is going to surprise people, I don't think he lets ego get in his way. And for that, I think he he's not dumb enough to be brash and say, I can beat anybody here or I can do anything I want to. I think that he can look at the opponent and say, this is what we're going to try to do this week. And how many times they, they, they got a close win or they come from behind because they're always in it because this team doesn't ever get outside of themselves and gets away from that. And Vrabel's a big part of that. I think his personality leads into all of that. There's no measurable for any of that. It's just my gut feeling of what I see, how this team reacts to him after, after post-game uh, speeches. There's nobody – Every eye in that locker room is fixed on him. They are in, they are invested in his conversation. They are reacting to his conversation. He's the guy who who he, he demands it without demanding it, right? And I think that's I know I'm saying a lot there to say that he's just that's how Vrabel is, and I think that he doesn't let the opportunity get too big for him, and his team feeds off that. Yeah, I'll say this, and I don't have a, just kind of build on what you're saying there is his ability to get coming off of a buy. He must be just pounding them with the the just narratives of them being uh, underdogs. I don't know what it is exactly, but the fact is that his teams come out engaged. They come out ready to play. And when you talk about, look at all the games that they've played since Vrabel has been the coach. Very, very, very few of them, would you say, they were just outclassed. The ones that they lost were games where they said, they, they frankly didn't show up. 
when you right. go back to the Cardinals game this came year. Came out flat as hell, you, you and look, then bad things happen. You look at the Texans game. You look at the Jets game, the ones that they lost. Maybe you look at the Patriots game this year as the best example of where they came out ready to play, and frankly, they just— They didn't have enough horses in the exactly. for that game. It, 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 the, the dam broke there. Right. So his ability coming off of a bye to make sure that that team is engaged, focused, and ready to go, that is what I think is the real difference maker there because the only time he really loses, generally speaking— is whenever that team is not ready to play. And what was the story I heard this week that he gave everybody at least one thing to work on during the bye week while they were preparing and they were they were preparing. I think I read the quote. It's like we're gonna we're gonna take a look at the people we haven't played first that we that are potential matchups for the next round, and then by you know after a day we're gonna have it narrowed down and we'll, we'll continue. So he had a plan going into it. It wasn't this. It, you you'd think that that's common sense, but I've seen a lot of coaches say, "I oh, will we'll deal with that when we know who it is for sure." What? <laughs> so yeah. they were already preparing for that. And the fact that he had the to, to have the and it, you, it's not nitpicky to me telling the players the one thing to go work on. He's keeping them engaged during the bye week. He's he's having that kind of interaction that he, it's just something very subtle to go out there. And, you, and again, you think this is common sense, but trust me, not everybody does this kind of stuff. Not they, they expect it to happen without saying anything. And I'm sorry, human beings aren't as the most accountable things in the world. Example, Isaiah Wilson. You know, with all the all the talent in the world can't be accountable for crap. So it's those little things that we've said all along. He just he he demands it without actually screaming for it. And he's a, he's a guy who gets respect without without asking for it. Yeah, and so I I think you know as we kind of pivot to in kind of a, a shorter show here as we look towards the playoffs. Whenever you look at how this game should play out, Ryan, what are your expectations? <sighs> Everything is set up for this to be. A, I don't want to call it a magic run, but you 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 set goals for the season, and one of those goals is south, right? But above that should be as high a seed as possible. Get that one seed, get that bye week. This team, we we how long did we say if they can just get healthy? If this team can just get healthy, well, here you you did everything you could to get that that you had some help. I get that, but you did what you had to do to get this one seed. You have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Everybody's going to have to come to you for every playoff game that you're involved in until the Super Bowl. Everything's set up. My expectations for this and the way that they built this team personnel-wise, I'm not saying that, this, that the window will close after this year. My expectations are you have – everything has been pointed to they're going for the Super Bowl. They're going after the Super Bowl. And every, every action they've taken, they're going for the Super Bowl. They can just be healthy. They're going to be competitors. So my expectations is that. Anything short of that is going to be a failure in a manner of speaking, or at least a disappointment. This isn't moral victory time. Everything's set up for you and your advantage. There's no, there's no like, oh gosh, we're the sixth seed. We really got to fight uphill here. We got to go to Kansas City. We got to go to Buffalo. None of that's here. This is Nashville. The fans, you, you see posts about fans not selling tickets to opposing. That's the first time I've seen that in eight years. Like outright on, on social media, beating the table to not sell their tickets. Don't make a profit. I expect that the fans to show up and the Titans to feed off that. My expectations in this game for them to win and then move on to whoever they have to, whoever is going to win that matchup for what they're calling the Super Bowl and the AFC championship that's going on before the AFC championship in Kansas City, between Buffalo and Kansas City, whoever comes out of that scrap heap and to take them to the woodshed next week. Look, I mean, you, you have a team here that is built to have that underdog mentality. That's when they perform. Well, you got it. You yep. got it to the nth degree. You're the worst number one seed that's ever played football, apparently. 
You are what a the, bunch of shats. Yeah, the like you said, the um, <laughs> the the Super Bowl is being played in uh, Kansas City this weekend. You have that right there. You sit there and you look and say, "Hey, we built this team for the Super Bowl," as you alluded to there. But then you dealt with more having to play more players, dealt with more injuries right. than any team in NFL right. history. But now you look at it, and the you're not missing a single starter that you would have projected when you started the season. Every single one of them will be in the lineup. Your biggest loss, your biggest season-ending injury was a first-round pick, Caleb Farley, who was already somebody you weren't exactly counting on to contribute here. And then you added Zach Cunningham. There is no reason, let me be clear, there is no reason that the Titans should not win this game, and there is no reason that they shouldn't be able to make a run into next weekend. And beyond. And let me be clear. You had 2,000 where they had the choke against the Ravens. You had 2008 where they had the choke as the number one seed against the Ravens. Another AFC North team right here. I would argue that the way that is lining up, this would be as big of a disappointment as any of those. Titans got to show up. Especially against a team that, congratulations, you hit on earlier, that, that that emotional tank, I'm not saying it's empty for them, but they got that, they got that, 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 that winless streak off their back, and they they are primed for a letdown this week. Everything's lining up for that to be a letdown for them, not the other way around. And typically, we don't get this animated and this this passion about the Titans going to win. But it is it is playoff time. This is what you work for all season as a Titans player. And I just I don't think Vrabel is going to let them fall flat. I just don't see it in this game. Well, and that that's the thing. You look at the you look at the Bengals. They're a year ahead of schedule. Yeah. You look at year three for a rebuild. That's the year you do it. This is one of those games. That if the Titans win, you really both fan bases can be happy, right? Because the Bengals, you got you have a bright bright future. You are supposed to be here. You right have, now. you are playing with house money, and right. that is dangerous for the Titans. But the Titans have no excuse. Nope. Absolutely no excuse. And this season is an abject failure, regardless of any sort of excuses that you come up with if you lose this game. Right. I agree. So, Ryan, I'm thinking you're predicting a victory. I am. Big? Close? I don't care. <laughs> and it, it's not going to matter to me because if the Titans play the game they want to, then it's going to be the it's going to be the biggest ass whooping ten point game you've ever seen if if that's if they play it the way they're supposed to, and what I mean by that is the score is not going to reflect how this game really goes. I like it. Any final thoughts? We kind of hit it all. Playoff time. I'm I'm excited. We're gonna like you said. We're gonna have a little pregame at Broadway right beforehand. So come join us for that. Uh, join us for halftime, for afterwards, and depending on you know some a lot of factors, you might see these two gentlemen right here, uh, three sheets to the wind <laughs> on those shows. So that'll be fun as well. Uh, again, check out James stuff from from No Flags Film. Great content. Uh, check out all the stuff that's on Broadway as well. I know that I, know I typically say that, but I, I just there's so much good stuff going on. Zach uh, Lyon. It's got some great articles out there as well. Listen to all the podcasts. Get ready for the game. I'm excited. Be excited. It's exciting times. Absolutely. Can I say excited one more time? Are you excited? <laughs> I'm excited. Very exciting. <laughs> all right. So thank you for joining us. This has been the Coach's Corner at Coaches on Broad on Twitter. I am Jonathan at JB on Broad. Joined by Ryan at Ryan on Broadway. Check out all our content, broadwaysportsmedia.com. This po- podcast is in association with 440 Sports. Enjoy the football. Enjoy it or hate it, depending on how it plays out. But just enjoy it. Ryan. <laughs> Stay off Twitter if you're, if you're upset, please. Save yourself the embarrassment. 
And don't call the game in the first quarter for the love of God. We out. Brought to you by Broadway Sports Media.